In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, the tarot. How a pack of playing cards from the 15th century can be used for divination and magic. The Ten of Swords. This is an image of a person who is lying there bleeding out with ten swords in their back. So, I mean, honestly, I'd rather get the death card myself than the Ten of Swords. This podcast is brought to you by Bright Biz. If you own a business or you've dreamed of starting one, there's a helpful free guide with 36 business power tools proven to boost sales, increase income, simplify your life, and give you better results with less effort. And best of all, this business toolbox is yours absolutely free. And these are useful online tools that make doing almost anything a lot easier. Just visit freebusinesstoolbox.com and grab your copy. I know there are a lot of websites out there. They offer you a special deal on something, but then they stick you in some annoying recurring program. But don't worry. Relax. This isn't like that. There is no hidden thing to try. Trust me. Bright Biz is giving away this guide free of charge as a means of putting their best foot forward. But all good things must come to an end, so don't wait. Grab your free guide today. Visit freebusinesstoolbox.com. freebusinesstoolbox.com. 
Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Hey, we made it. You made it. It's Friday. Another week done. A weekend ahead of us. And let's hope we all have a few moments to put our feet up and relax. Uh, no? Okay, well, yeah, there's there's always yard work. Well, at least those of us doing yard work this weekend will be out in the sunshine, and that's something. If you're not certain what you'll be doing this weekend, maybe you've thought about consulting a deck of tarot cards. Uh, if you don't know a lot about the tarot, and I don't, this much I do know. The tarot is a deck of 78 cards. Each card has its own imagery, symbolism, and story. And some say the tarot cards are simply ink on paper, but others believe the tarot is the storybook of our life, the mirror to our soul, and the key to our inner wisdom. Now, this July, I may finally get a tarot card reading when I head on up to Holstein, Ontario to speak at Occulticon 2018, uh, which runs from July 13th to the 15th at the Mythwood Campgrounds. Uh, there's camping and lectures and uh, all things occult. For more information or to purchase tickets, you can go to occulticon.ca. And uh, my guest may just be the person to do the tarot reading. Pamela Fletcher is a practicing eclectic pagan with roots in Wicca, an initiated witch and priestess. Though her interests in magic and the occult are varied, she specializes as a diviner using the tarot, reading for others and teaching on an individual basis and through group classes for over 30 years. Pam has been very active organizing events in the pagan community over the past 25 years, including the Kaleidoscope Gathering, Gaia Gathering, Pagan Federation of Canada, Toronto Pagan Conference and Women's Weekend. Her role with Occulticon is talent coordinator, ensuring all the needs of the presenters are met so programming runs in a smooth and timely fashion. Again, that's Occulticon 2018, occulticon.ca for more information and tickets. Pamela Fletcher, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me this evening, Richard. And you're looking forward to Occulticon uh, in July, I'm sure. Tell us a little bit about your involvement uh, past years and this year. Most definitely. I'm very looking forward to Occulticon. So my role at Occulticon is I am working on a team uh, to help put the event on. Uh, my official role is talent coordinator, and what that entails is making sure that all of our presenters uh, and guests of the uh, convention um, have all their needs met, making sure that they know where they're speaking, and uh, just helping them out over the weekend, making sure all their needs are met. And and previously, you have you've, you've spoken at a call to con. What what have you talked about previously? Yes. Um, so last year was our first year, and uh, in addition to being staff last year, I also did a presentation on uh, hair magic, uh, essentially um, the history and folklore of how hair um, is literally woven into magic and how it's used. 
That's fascinating. I've never heard that before. So how how, how is hair used in magic? Um, basically, it's uh, very much incorporated in a lot of um, different traditions, um, folklore, um, anywhere from using it um, sympathet- uh, sympathetically in magical spells um, to divinate um, future loves, um, to overcome illnesses uh, in a lot of different ways, hair is, is tied. And then also different um, superstitions around hair. You know, if you've got uh, curly hair or if you've got red hair, this sort of thing. Well, you know, sort of tell you a bit more about who you are as a person. So another area of, of interest for you is, uh, is the tarot. This is something I know very little about. As a broadcaster, we try to have our knowledge base is kind of an inch deep and a mile wide. But uh, <laughs> when it comes to the tarot, I, I don't even think it's an inch deep. Where does that where does that come from? The term tarot. What does tarot mean, actually? Okay, so tarot itself um, is actually a term um, that was given to um, a type of divination by cards. And the word itself actually is a French word, um, the tarot, um, which actually is derived from the, uh, an older word, an Italian word. And my, you're going to have to excuse my pronunciation, taroshi, um, which loosely translates to fool or foolish. And this comes from late 1500s to early 1600s. So essentially it translates to the fool which is actually one of the archetypes in the cards within the tarot deck. And the um, the arcana, is that what they call it, the arcana, right? The major arcana. Mm-hmm. The, the story here is the fool's journey through life, right? Yes. What, is yes. that, what does that mean? Okay, so essentially um, the tarot is made up of um, two parts. So there's a total of 78 cards in the deck. Uh, There is 56 of what's called the minor arcana, and then there's uh, 22 of what's called the major arcana, or the trump cards. And these are the cards that deal with um, big important things that go on in one's life. And there is, like I said, a series of 22 cards, um, more archetype related, and it starts off the first card being the fool, being one of the major uh, archetypes of the deck. And it's essentially the 22 cards, or the 21 cards that follow after that can talk about um, a journey that you can make in your life. It's believed that the tarot itself is a teaching tool, uh, can be um, guide you to ways of bettering yourself can give you direction on how to live a, a good life. And um, as a result, it's often used as a means for guidance, um, can be used for divination, for fortune telling. So through that journey, the fool's journey, the fool would then potentially encounter the other archetypes or the other cards within the major arcana. Um, perhaps being influenced by the cards like the Magician or the High Priestess, the Emperor or the Empress or the Hierophant, all being, 
you know, potentially in one's life, parents, teachers, elders, people who would guide that fool along their way. Other cards in the major arcana could be, say, the lovers, which would talk about relationships. Um, you know, the chariot and the strength, you know, talks about control that one tries to exert over their world. Um, you start asking questions about the world that you're in, so you may be looking to the hermit for finding answers. Um, other cards that control your fate could be, say, the Wheel of Fortune, and how you look at the world could be the hangman. There's opportunities for change in your life through the death card. Um, taking a look deep inside as a fool on his journey to um, the devil card, where you're really looking inside. What are those dark parts of oneself? And then having your illusion shattered with the tower card of that's not how I actually saw the world. And then sort of coming towards the end of the major arcana, you get to start looking at the star and the moon and the sun and looking at your dreams and your desires to the point where you're ready to possibly, you know, complete that part of your journey to a rebirth of the judgment card, which brings you back to the beginning, which is the universe. And it's like the full circle. So if someone comes to you and they want to have their tarot read, Mm -hmm. uh, then they are the person having their tarot read. They're represented by the fool. They're on the journey. They're the person on the journey. Is that the idea? Yes. Yeah, that's the idea. Um, the word or the term that's used is called a querient. The person that is querying about, you know, whatever aspect of their life. The fool is uh, an aspect or an archetype of the card. Um, the querient doesn't necessarily have to be the fool. Um, oftentimes people who work with the cards on a regular basis or will have their cards read on an ongoing basis there's a card within the deck that is more representative of them, and that's called the Signifactor, the main card that represents that person. Within the deck, like I said, in the Minor Arcana, um, there's uh, four suits, and each suit goes from one to ten, and then there's four what's called court cards, and these are um, can be the page, the knight, the queen, and the king. And they're essentially four people cards. And oftentimes the querient will be chosen out of one of those to represent who they are as a person. Now, a who chooses? Sorry. A page. Sorry, who yeah. chooses, who chooses the, the archetype, the archetype, the, the, the querient or the person doing the reading? Or is it, is it left um, up to chance? Do they draw a card or? You know what? All three. <laughs> All of the above. Sometimes it is based on who the, who the querient is. If it's a younger person, maybe you're going to pick a page. If it's someone who's very earthy, down to earth, you might be choosing that, you know, the, the pentacles, which is more earth related. If the person's, you know, very fiery and dynamic, you might be choosing one of the wands. You may choose the queen of wands. If it's a woman that's, you know, more mature and someone who's got a lot of spark and energy. So sometimes it's decided that way. Sometimes the querient, if they're very familiar with the tarot and working with it, will choose a card themselves. This is who I am. Sometimes it's one of the major arcana as well, you know, one of the archetypes that can be chosen. And you're right, sometimes it's simply chance. 
it's the card that comes up. So the 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 suits there there are four suits is that right just like there is in a normal playing deck of cards? Exactly. So essentially in the tarot deck, um, the minor arcana is divided into four suits. So there's the pentacles, which are the element of earth. Um, these are cards. The symbolism is going to represent things like stability, foundations of life. It's the material, the the tactile things family, career, um, business, money, these sort of things are attached to the pentacles. Then you have the cups. And I, I should um, also mention um, they are, yes, very much like our modern-day playing cards. The cups are actually um, related to water and love and dreams. Um, they are related to your emotions and relationships. Wands um, are related to... Um, the element of fire. And again, this is where you've got your passion, your spirituality, energy, creativeness is all related to the wands. And then the swords are the ones that are related to air. This is thought, logic, intellect, inspiration, and can tend to be beginnings uh, and learning. So in your modern day playing cards, the four suits of the minor arcana can be related to um, our playing cards. So um, with pentacles, that would be your diamonds. The um, the cups would then be hearts. The swords would be your spades, and clubs would be wands. So very much so, your modern day playing cards um, sort of are developed out of what the original um, tarot cards were created um, for as a game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So you can you can use tarot to play games in addition to, to to them being used for divination, right? There are people that have um, that do play games with them. Um, there are certain types of decks. There are literally thousands of different types of decks um, out there, and the minor arcana could potentially be used to play games. Um, but the modern playing cards are more a case of, in, in the same token, you can use modern playing cards to do divination. There are people who do that as well. Oh, I didn't so know that. Does, yeah, there are people who just use a, a regular deck of playing cards to do divination. So walk me through this. Let's say I'm the querient and I, I come to you and I want to have my tarot read. Uh, do I come with a specific question? Uh, how does it work? And then just walk me through the, 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 the process of what happens and how you, how you re- reveal the cards and so forth. Certainly. So um, a lot of people who essentially um, go and get their cards read, um, there are the curiosity seekers. Um, they're just kind of curious. They've never heard of it, and they, they, they want to just try it. Most people that are getting cards read, though, they generally have specific questions in mind. They have, they're, they're looking for answers, they're looking for guidance. 
Um, and they'll go, you know, to ask, you know, to a reader to get their cards read, generally with that in mind. So depending on the reader, um, some readers want to know what the questions are ahead of time, and you would let your reader know. Um, other readers, um, like myself, I don't need to know what your question is. If anything, I kind of prefer not knowing ahead of time what your question is, so I can let the messages of the cards come out objectively as opposed to being um, sort of guided by thought processes. Because sometimes what you think your question is is not what the messages the cards want to give you. Um, it's often the most important thing that is going on in your life that the cards are going to read when I read. So once you're, you know, there and um, the reader will then often um, take the cards and shuffle them and have you do the same. Gives you an opportunity, put some energy in those cards, and you get to think about what you would like to have answered. Um, at that point, the cards are then laid down in a spread. Um, and that's essentially a layout of where the cards go. And each card, depending on where it falls within a tarot card spread, will have a specific meaning. So this is where it gets interesting. There's 78 cards, and they all have meanings based on sort of traditionally this is what the card means. Each of these cards generally then are also um, have a great deal of symbology in them. So then those, that symbology is interpreted. So it depends on where the card lands in the reading what that card could possibly mean. And then, on top of that, depending on the cards around it, are going to influence, again, what that means. So as a tarot card reader, what I then do is I take a look at the cards in the spread and start interpreting the message that is there based on the cards that are down and the next thing, and this is the most important thing in being a reader, the cards are a tool. That's all they are, in my opinion. It's an opportunity to actually just allow the messages from spirit or whatever you believe in to come through. I personally, when I'm reading, um, I enter into a somewhat of a trance state. I, through breathing and just from reading from 30 years or more, I just sort of go into a place to allow messages to come through. It's sort of heightening the theta waves of the brain, and you allow that to come through. Oftentimes when I've done a reading, when I've done, finished the reading, I don't remember what I've said. It's not that someone else has taken over. I just go into that state of mind. People will come to me, you know, a week later or a year later. Oh, Pam, when you did this reading, you know, you said this, and it's like I have to trust them because I don't remember necessarily. So then once those messages are given, then you interpret them to what you, you know, it's for you. You know, and a good reader will read for you objectively. Right. Now, do you, I mean, there's, is there an element of chance or do you believe that the, the cards are, uh, there's an element of fate here or that there is an intervention from the spirit world that determines how the cards are going to be shuffled, therefore which cards are going to be revealed first, what order, where they're going to be placed, and so forth? Do you believe that is all sort of orchestrated from the spirit world? Yes, I do. <laughs> 
So essentially what I believe is um, the cards will come down the way they're supposed to, you know. Um, and I've, I've had this happen where, you know, I'll, I'll do a reading and then, you know, we turn around and do another reading or something very similar and the exact same cards will come out, you know. Um, you know, in, in a series of, say, 10 cards, half of them will be exactly the same, which means those are the cards that are supposed to be there. So there is an element of that. Now, again, how you relate to whether you call it the spirit world. Some people work with angels. Some people work with spirit guides. Um, I personally feel that I work with what, you know, the collective unconscious that connection that connects me to the universe and everyone else. And when I'm doing readings, I am only going to get messages that are relevant to that person um, being ready to accept the answers. Because if you ask a question, sometimes you're not ready for the answer. Those messages won't come through. Hmm. Now, everyone's fascinated, of course, by the hangman. Uh, and it's, it's not when we think of the hangman, we think of the hangman's noose. We think of someone being hanged by the neck, but this is someone being hanged by their feet, right? Yes, exactly. What is, what is this card all about? First of all, what does it look like? Give us a description here on radio or the podcast and then explain what it, what it means. Certainly. So the hangman is one of the major arcana and, um, the, and I just want to back up a little bit. So because there are thousands of different decks out there, each deck is going to look slightly different. Okay. But there is, um, there was a deck that was created um, at the, um, let me see, it was created approximately um, the 1900s, early 1900s by um, a, group of three people. It's called the Rider Waite Deck. And it's called that um, because it was created by a publisher, William Ryder. And um, the, the, it was developed by a British mystic by the name of Waite, uh, who was a member of the Order of the Golden Dawn. Right. And he uh, essentially wrote a book explaining the imagery that he wanted to create. And he had um, a woman by the name of Pamela Coleman-Smith, um, who was also a member of the Golden Dawn, to illustrate this deck. Um, this deck is uh, very, has a lot of strong um, Kabbalic symbolism, and uh, because of the time it was created, it was also created with a great deal of Christian um, religious symbols. Now, this deck um, has been in uh, print, um, consistently since 1909. And this is um, one of the first, this was the original deck that a great number of the of decks, modern decks, are fashioned after. Okay? So what they created, you know, over 100 years ago is the one that is very common. So what the, ter- what the hangman looks like in my deck, I work with what's called the Robin Wood deck, um, and a great number of people's decks. So what the hangman looks like is essentially a man that is hanging, like you said, upside down. He's either hanging by his feet 
or, you know, by his knees. And it's basically his legs are crossed and then his arms are behind his back. So the reasoning for this is, is that the rider or the hangman gives the querient the opportunity to take a look at world, um, take a look at the world in a different way. Instead of just, um, say, someone who always leads with their mind and intellectually, they may have an opportunity to um, be more emotional. The whole process of looking at things from a different way gives you an opportunity to um, transform the personality. You're essentially letting go. You're looking at things in a different way. It's a release process. Um, it's suspended dis- decisions. You're literally suspended. And you get a chance to look at things from a different perspective. It also allows you to um, turn towards a higher self or your soul. So it's an opportunity to look at things in a different way. There's um, a myth within Norse mythology um, that the All-Father Odin hung from the um, Yggdrasil, the Tree of Life, for nine days to gain the wisdom of the runes. And the runes were the Norse um, divinational tool to, again, explain life, explain the meaning of life. So it is an opportunity, again, to gain wisdom by looking at things in a different way. So it doesn't mean hanging or death that way. It's looking at things in a different way. Looking at things in a different way. Maybe it's time dog owners look at things in a different way, especially when it comes to training their dogs. If you own a dog, how would you like to develop your dog's hidden intelligence to eliminate bad behavior and create the obedient, well-behaved pet of your dreams? A woman named Adrienne Ferricelli, a professional certified dog trainer, has helped hundreds of dog owners train their dogs to be well-behaved, obedient, loving pets by bringing out their hidden intelligence. You can quickly eliminate any behavioral problem problem your dog has, no matter how deeply you think it's ingrained and no matter what kind of dog you have. The science behind this is simple. You may have heard of neuroplasticity in the human brain. Our brains are capable of learning new behaviors because of this neuroplasticity. Well, your dog's brain has the same plasticity. And with the right mental stimulation that Adrian teaches, any dog's brain will become more open and receptive to learning new information. Your dog will listen to you and understand what you want it to do. And when this happens, bad behaviors simply fade away as more desirable ones appear in their place. So, if you want to check out this remarkable dog training system, just visit realbusinessbargains.com That's realbusinessbargains.com realbusinessbargains.com The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again. I don't know what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pamela Fletcher is an eclectic pagan who specializes as a diviner using the tarot. She's also involved with the Culticon 2018 up in Holstein, Ontario, July 13th, 14th, and 15th. I'll be there on the 14th. And uh, this is at the Mythwood Campgrounds. Go to occulticon.ca for more info and tickets. Now, when the cards come up and you're and you're revealing the cards, is there an inter 
Is there an exchange between you and the querent? Are are you asking questions? Is the querent asking questions of, of the reader? Or is it simply the reader laying out the cards and saying, this is what I see? You know what? Again, great, great question. It can go both ways. Um, there are some readers that will just start reading and they just go until they're done. Um, some readers don't don't want questions asked and they'll just read. Sometimes they feel, you know, when you're reading, sometimes you get a little stuck, you know, and you you want verification that you're going down the right path. The thing is, is when you're reading or when I'm reading is that sometimes I make a tremendous connection with the person I'm reading and the message has come through very clearly. It makes perfect sense. There are times when I've gone to read for someone and there's nothing. I have no connection to that person. There's no messages coming through. And when that happens, I literally just read the cards in front of me. This is the card. So I'm not just reading the symbols and the card and the meaning, but I'm listening for messages from spirit as to what needs to be said about this card and then its relationship to the other ones. There's a story that will develop. You'll start reading and then it's just, it's almost like a story that gets created with all the cards as you move, move along. So sometimes the querent wants to ask questions as you're going. What does that mean? You tell them about, you know, say they, they have, you know, pulled the Empress card which is a mother card, and you've told them that it's a time to nurture yourself, and they want to know, well, how do I do that? Then you can explain it more. And of course, the death card, which we must we must talk about. And obviously, death doesn't we always <laughs> death doesn't always mean death. But sometimes I'm I would assume it might mean a- actual physical death. Or am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. And this is the card that, of course, Hollywood loves. Everyone loves the sensationalism of the death card. The reality is the death card almost never means death. Death card means change. And it literally talks about moving from one place to another, one state to another. Um, If you're looking for a new job, you may have to give up the old one. If you want love in your life, you may have to give up those things that are causing you to not find love. Um, It's literally a change. And I think the reason why it comes up as somewhat scary is people are afraid of change. They're afraid of the unknown. It's the one thing that people are afraid of more than anything else is the unknown. And the reason why people usually end up getting their cards read in the first place because they don't know what's going on and they want guidance. Right. So when the death card comes up. Now, a lot of the um, the imagery of the death card does um, draw on uh, the traditional Grim Reaper and uh, the Scythe. Um, a lot of that is is somewhat apropos because the Scythe... And the Grim Reaper talks about things dying away. And that's the whole thing. When you're reading the cards and the symbols that are in them, you have to start thinking about what does that symbol mean to you? 
one person may think that um, the symbol of, say, the snake, which is a very powerful symbol, is scary and terrifying. You know, it it's you know it it's it's harm, and I'm going to get hurt by it. Where other people will see the snake, which is another aspect of of fertility and rebirth, because the snake sheds its skin and can be a symbol of death because it's dying and re- and being reborn again. Um, and snakes are also very much a symbol of fertility because when snakes have babies, they literally have hundreds of them. So That's true. Lots of fertility. That's true. Um, now. I'm not going to let go of the death card here, of course. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it, can it, if let's say, God for friend, that someone's, that's what's in their future. They are literally going to die. Maybe they, mm-hmm. and, uh, I mean, is that going to be revealed? Would the death card come up and then you would, I mean, how do you, how do you broach that, that subject? Yeah. That is, um, that's a really tricky thing to do ethically as a reader. Okay. There's a couple things there. First of all, um, if the death card comes up, like if if, there, if someone is dealing with death, whether it's their own or in most cases it's someone they love, and this is what's weighing heavy on their mind, the death card may come up, but it's more than likely also going to be surrounded, like I said, cards that are in the reading that are surrounding it that would reinforce that. You may be looking at one of the poor health cards, um, say the Ten of Swords. This is an image of a person who is um, lying there bleeding out with ten swords in their back. This is someone who's, you know, so, I mean, honestly, I'd rather get the death card myself than the Ten of Swords because the Ten of Swords is showing someone completely unable to function. They are, they're dead. Right. Literally, oh, death. it's the Ten of Swords you, know. you must beware, not the Death card. Okay, <laughs> well, I've learned again, something it's, here. It's, it's, it's all relevant to the cards around it. Right, right. Um, the Death card, if you've got, say, the Five of Cups, where someone's mourning a loss and they're grieving, it's a person that's crying with, you know, spilled cups. Um, or uh, a Ten, you know, even... Ironically, even one of the prettiest cards, which is her Ten of Pentacles, which is all about family, but it's the end of a cycle. So when you get to the end of the cycle, that's when it ends. So if you have something like a Ten with the Death card and then perhaps a Grieving card, if all of those come up at the same time and the person's specifically asking about death, it may speak to death. Now, this brings to another really important point. As a reader, um, I personally don't say, I don't talk about death in that way. Oh, you know, you're going to die or this person's going to die because I'm human. We're all human. And again, it comes down to trying to be objective, but you don't want to be wrong because if you tell someone really horrible news like that, then they're going to go around feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. So they get so um, involved in that concept and, and, and preoccupied about death, they're not thinking that maybe they end up in an accident. Right, right. You know? So you have to be very careful. What I have done in the past, when I have encountered situations 
where it could potentially be someone is towards the end of their life, um, I'll suggest maybe they spend time with loved ones. Or if someone's, you know, towards death, you know, I've recommended they go and spend time with that person. Right, right. Why don't you go and spend time, you know? Um, I mean, if someone's asking about an elderly person and who's very ill, the chances are they are probably going to pass at some point, you know, during the time frame of the reading. But it's an opportunity to give comfort and solace, you know, to let them work through that process. If you have, if the reader has questions, if if someone who's well-versed in tarot, like yourself, and you have mm-hmm. questions, do you consult the tarot and can do you do the the reading yourself for yourself or do you have to go to is it like a hairdresser you can't cut your own hair you got to go to someone else i i'm all about the hairdresser i really am um there there are times when i can i pull the cards on a regular basis i um most often daily um i just to look for guidance or wisdom or what are the cards trying to tell me. But if I'm looking for a reading, I go and find another reader. Because it, it's, it's a, again, I was saying it's all about being objective right. and getting those messages. Sometimes the cards are there and it's harder for you to keep that objectivity because you're just, this is what I want. And the cards come up and it's, you just don't, you're not able to separate yourself. So they're, you know, but there are some people who can read for themselves. But um, I would say of all the readers I've ever met, um, I would say 99% of us go find someone else to read our cards. Are there people, and maybe you're maybe you're one of these people, who, who do not make any major decisions without consulting the tarot? Absolutely not. I don't do that. Do you know people? Um, yes, I do. Yeah. Um, to me, the tarot is an opportunity, like I said, it's an opportunity for guidance and uh, an opportunity to work through potential outcomes. This is only a potential outcome. And this is what I tell people that I'm reading for. This is a possibility. Any conscious, any conscious choice you make can potentially alter the outcome, including the tarot card reading your act you may make different decisions. However, the one thing I have found with readings is, and people, as they journey on their path, they may deviate away from where they think they're going, but if it's meant to be, say, the Wheel of Fortune, you know, it's sort of destiny and fate, you'll end up back there. It just may be a different route to get back to the same place. If not, you're going to end up um, with a pattern in your life. And oftentimes I get people coming in for readings. It's like I keep making the same mistake. The same thing keeps happening. Why am I stuck in this loop? It's because you're making diff- you need to make a different choice. And the, the cards will help you do that. I do know people, however, that don't make major decisions without consulting the tarot. Um, I was a tarot card reader for an occult shop in Ottawa back in the 90s. And there were people who... Um, would come in for readings and, you know, and then a week later they would show up again wanting another reading. And it was because they became dependent on the cards for guidance rather than, you know, making that decision 
to make a different choice, right. to make a good choice. Uh, how are tarot cards used in magic? That is um, in a couple different ways. Tarot can be um, very uh, useful when doing magic. Um, it can be used um, for reading before you're going to start a magic, you know, say doing a ritual or a ceremony. You may want to consult the tarot as to how to proceed um, to give you guidance for that particular ritual. Um, most rituals or magic, you know, tend to have a purpose. There's intention to the magic you're going to do. And before you um, put your will towards it to affect a change for yourself or someone else in the universe, you may want to have guidance as to the best way to do it. So the tarot can be very useful that way. In other words, it will direct you to a particular type of of spell, perhaps? Yeah, or it could be, you know, you may be wondering what would be the best way, you know, you want to, you want to release healing for someone that you know. And what would be the best way for you to be able to offer healing for that person? Sometimes it could be a very practical thing. Sometimes it could be simply just um, sharing energy or love. And the cards sometimes will help you sort of guide you as to how to go about performing your magic. At the same token, the cards themselves, um, you can again use them in a sympathetic way where they're representing what you want. So say um, you wanted to draw money into your life. Everybody wants more money. So that being the case, you may, in doing a ritual um, or a spell, you may put down um, specific tarot cards to draw the money to you because these are cards that talk about money. So you may be looking at, say, the Ace of Pentacles, which is a new beginning. You want that. So maybe you want a new job. So you're going to use the Ace of Pentacles. Um, it could be, you know, what, is, what do you need that money for? Um, you want to pay your bills. So you may be using the Six of Pentacles, you know, or you, you know, you need it for whatever purpose. Then you're going to choose cards for that purpose, kind of like in the reading. Certain cards meet certain things when they're together. So you can put those cards down in your spell. You would put the energy into those cards and then leave them there. Now, uh, final question, and that is tarot cards, uh, using tarot cards for divination. Uh, is there is there any risk or danger? Let's say, you know that old expression, this is not for amateurs. So, I mean, is it is it advisable that a person who uses tarot for divination be very experienced or skilled, uh, or is this something that, in fact, you know, amateurs can get involved in? Um, I honestly believe anyone can use tarot cards. Everyone, I believe everyone has the ability to be intuitive um, and that the cards are simply a tool. They're cardboard. They're pretty printed pictures on cardboard. There is nothing dangerous about that. It's the opportunity to use those to tap into that intuitive ability 
to know things about yourself and the world around you. So in doing so, um, anyone can pick up the cards and they can learn from them. Um, I believe, I do believe that the cards have something to teach us. Every card speaks to uh, a part of the human experience. So you can pick up a card and you can learn from it. You can read the meanings. You can understand. Um, a lot of people, when they first start reading the tarot cards, um, often find an accompanying book that goes with it. And they'll read the meaning until they learn and get comfortable with it. The more comfortable you get with the cards, the more intuitive you can be and the less you will want to or need to use um, supporting um, book material. Um, and then, you know, you can use that to read for yourself or someone else. Um, the only things that I would caution that using cards the one being, like we've already addressed, people sometimes become very dependent on the cards and feel they can't make a decision, you know, without consulting the cards. I find that that you're you're replacing free will at that point, and that's never a good idea. Um, we've also addressed the fact that sometimes, I mean, we're all human. We can make mistakes. So it's always, you know, good to keep back in your mind to be as objective as possible because people are going to want to project their own um, belief systems when reading the cards because that's how they were brought up. That's how you should do things that may not be right for the person you're reading for. So that's something you want to, you know, be wary of. And then the other thing that I always caution everyone when they're reading or going to get a reading done is, um, not all readers are as, are as authentic and honest as others. There is people out there that potentially want to use, um, you know, the tarot to, you know, to be fraudulent and just tell people what they want to hear. That goes on? Or, people do that? <laughs> yes, they do. Oh, surprise. <laughs> Indeed. Well, you're such a sensible Wiccan. Um, you are a Wiccan, right? You're a, mem you're a member of the... You belong I'm to actually, a... a sorry? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually pagan. I'm an eclectic pagan. Um, my roots are in Wicca. Right. Um, I would call myself a witch, but um, my roots are actually towards more pagan, so more of a nature-based... And I'm eclectic, which basically means um, if you're doing something really cool, I'm going to steal it. Right. I'll let you know I'm going to steal it. But you know what? If you're doing something really, really great, um, I love the teachings of Eastern philosophy, uh, the Dalai Lama, the Norse virtues really speak to me. Um, but like I said, my roots are in Wicca, and I'm a little bit of a hedge witch. I'm... You're going to find me running around out in the forest as much as possible. Well, nothing wrong with that. I love the great outdoors. Yeah. And for people to do, Oct uh, July, July 13, 14, 15, up at uh, the beautiful Mythwood Event Grounds in Holstein, Ontario. Again, sure. July 13, 14, 15. I'll be there speaking under the lecture tent at 1 o'clock on the Saturday, that's July 14th, and then at 3 o'clock under the same tent, there'll be a kind of a paranormal roundtable I'll be participating in. 
and yeah. people can get uh, more information and tickets at occulticon.ca, occulticon.ca. And uh, Pamela, great uh, meeting you. Look forward to meeting you uh, there. And who knows, perhaps I'll even, uh, I'll get my tarot read. That would be absolutely wonderful, Richard. And I'm, I'm sure we'll be able to make time for that. All right. Pamela Fletcher. And again, it's occulticon.ca. Dot .ca for tickets and information July 13 14 15 uh and I'm told it's one of the highest in terms of altitude highest campgrounds uh certainly in southern Ontario maybe in all of Ontario do I have that right yeah no most definitely um Methwood is uh, one of the the high points it's Methwood is one of the high points of Ontario indeed and it'll be one of the high points of the summer so make sure you go July 13 14 15 thanks again Pamela Oh, you're more than welcome. Thank you so much, Richard. It's okay. been an absolute pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye now. Thanks, Pamela. Now, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'm going to tell you what's coming up next on Conspiracy Unlimited. But first, have you tried Life Extension's Mega Green Tea Extract yet? I tell you, you really owe it to yourself to check this out for yourself. It's a game changer. Life Extension's Mega Green Tea Extract provides powerful antioxidant effects throughout the body. Green tea contains health-promoting polyphenols, including a powerful antioxidant, which has been the subject of extensive scientific research. Why don't you pour on these multiple health benefits for yourself? Green tea is a powerful antioxidant. It supports cell membrane integrity, boosts liver detoxification, enhances immune function, and helps maintain healthy blood cholesterol, LDL and triglyceride levels, and so much more. Life Extension's Mega Green Tea Extract is decaffeinated, and yet it contains more polyphenols in one capsule than seven cups of green tea. The Chinese have used green tea for therapeutic purposes since 2000 BC, and more recently, volumes of published scientific findings attest to its multiple health benefits. One capsule a day of Mega Green Tea Extract is all you need. Why don't you give your body what it needs? Order right now from Life Extension and save 25%. Just go to smartclickidea.com. That's smartclickidea.com. Smartclickidea.com. Coming up on episode 71 of Conspiracy Unlimited, ufologist Grant Cameron weighs in on the UFO disclosure debate. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.